seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 120 of Color of Magic, a magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that are affecting people at and away from the gaming tables and computers. As always, I'm your host, Daquan Watson, and for an amazing 120 episodes, somehow surviving life, we still have them with us. Brian Allen, how's it going, man? Yeah, I'm still here. It was the... <laughs> it's been it's been rough the past week, as you can imagine. It's just... Yeah, it sounds like you barely made it through last week, man. Yeah, uh, I I don't envy you. Um, for for those who don't know, uh, Brian's household was uh we'll say infiltrated by the COVID last week. So it was it was a matter of time, I guess, with the kids being in school and whatnot. Yeah, well, we were hoping, you know, the district would would shut down because their COVID numbers are kind of out of control. But so far, they have not done that. And it hit yeah. us. It, I I'm gonna be honest, you know, I'm glad I live in a place where we give that a little more consideration. But yeah, kids being in school right now is probably one of the biggest spreaders, I would think, of the whole yeah. thing. But man, I am glad you made it. I was I was a little worried about y'all for a couple days. <laughs> we were worried about us too, believe me. Well, yeah, I can only Oof. imagine. I imagine the kids were worried. Yeah, both of y'all laid up. So yeah, I'm I'm just glad everybody made it through. Uh, also, Thank random you. random related news. I just got a thing in the mouth of the day that they've approved uh, vaccines, at least here in the state of Washington, and about elsewhere, for kids uh, age five and up. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so that that's pretty cool too. So we're getting closer to being able to vaccinate everybody who wants it. So hopefully that helps with this whole problem too. And I'm told Darcy Way we're supposed to wait probably at least a couple of weeks to to get boosted so it doesn't confuse the booster with the COVID that is still in our system. That I hadn't thought about that, but that kind of makes sense. <laughs> So I had to make sure there's enough space to where it identifies, hey, this is a, a, a new thing. Well, man, I am just glad y'all made it, for real, because I I hadn't had anybody close to me have to deal with it yet, and I, I didn't want to lose my co-host, man. <laughs> Not like that. Like, it's okay yeah, if we, we go away for professional reasons. I don't want to lose you because you die on me. Right. We, I mean, I just, you know, I, I started to say not to get political, but I mean, I... I, we have always had trouble trying to figure out why it's political. We just don't want you to die. I mean, yeah, we don't want to die. You know, it's just we don't even want you to get sick. I, I didn't mean to do this level of research, but I have, and I can tell you, <laughs> yeah. I, you, you did the the self trials. <laughs> yeah, but I, in I all seriousness. I don't, I'm, again, we're not here to tell people, go get your shot or whatever. Like we, I would recommend it, but hey, it's your body. You're going to do what you're going to do. The only thing I do want to bring up is that you and your family, barring your wife only having one shot because of health issues, like y'all are vaccinated and you still got hit pretty hard. So, I mean, imagine if you weren't, you might still be laid up or on your way to the hospital right now. Yeah, easily. You know, so that, that's the scary part. 
you know, yeah, that's, that's what's frightening is you know how laid up we were with what would technically still be considered a minor case. Yeah, exactly. That's the part I don't get. I mean, I've seen people miserable. Like, I, like we talked about on on the the private show. I know people up here that got COVID one and two years ago and are still having issues with it. You know, because they weren't vaccinated at the time they got it, and it's just like, dude, I don't want anything that's going to linger for more than a year. And we don't even know all the effects of it yet. So it was like, yeah, man. Tish had this little thing where she was checking our temperature and our at, at our oxygen level because my wife is always prepared. And, and those numbers were all over the place <laughs> for about three, four days. Yeah, I've heard from multiple people. You just get winded going up and down stairs. Right. You know, and I'm just like, I don't need that in my life. It's been a week, and I'll still just be walking along, thinking about doing something. Like, no, wait! All of a sudden, not breathing like I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I just man. Hopefully, y'all can shake the rest of this over this week. But I'm hoping so. Well, before we get into everything else, as always, we want to pay some love to our sponsor, Cardsphere.com. If you haven't checked them out, you probably should. We like to say they're a great place to buy and sell cards at the price you want. Matter of fact. It's how I finished off my sliver deck a couple of weeks ago. I like put some wants up there for a few cards, and sure enough, I had some notices within about 48 hours of people mailing me cards. I got them about a week, week and a half later, and boom, just like that, it was all good to go. I just sold some. Matter of fact, I just dropped off about 26 envelopes in the mail before we started recording. So great place to move stuff, great people, and they support a lot of up-and-comers in the magic content world. So go pay them some love over at cardsphere.com so they were the devil at one point are, are slivers still the devil where they uh, it depends on who you ask okay some people are super into it some people uh super hate it so yeah i haven't even played the deck yet honestly i'm probably gonna play it on one of my streams here that i'm gonna record for coverage soon so it'll have to get sleeved up but it's still sitting here uh, i got all the cards in and it's just kind of sitting here waiting for some love so though it has become the most expensive deck i own because all my lands are just all multi-lands that produce five colors or they're shock lands or fetch lands. There you go. Because <laughs> I don't put, I don't have many other decks except for one legacy deck. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to shove everything in here and just make it easier to cast my stuff. Like, it'll look absurd yeah. and expensive. But, I mean, they're just cards I have. What am I supposed to do? Just slam it down. Pow! <laughs> At some point, I will probably have somebody, like, go through and put this into one of the websites just so I can see what the actual, like, dollar value is. Cause I'm too lazy to do it, but could be interesting. It's a post Malone deck. Look at it. It's rich. Dude, I don't even got that. I'm sure post Malone has like mint condition, beta, you know, whatever is of everything. Like he's, he's got that kind of money. I'm, I'm at like post not broke Malone. Money. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. Kid like, Rock, baby. Yeah. I, not, I, don't, I ain't even got Kid Rock money. Like, I'm, I, I might be some, like, 80s has-been rock person money. That might be Ooh, let me where I'm at. But, Billy uh, Squire yeah. money. We'll say Billy Squire. There you go. That might work if people know. Well, they have the internet. They can go find it. They're right. <laughs> also, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash color of magic. And you can get a shout-out just like Ken Ma, who has been supporting the show since June 2020. So... About a year and a half of some love there. So thank you so much, Ken. We appreciate it. And next week, we'll be doing another round of giveaways. So people will be getting some stuff mailed to them. 
And then, of course, if you check out colorofmtg.com shop, you can get some playmats and tokens with our likenesses. Which reminds me, I got to reach out to my artist friends because I got to get that uh, the Kamigawa ones done. Kamigawa? Why did I say that? Kamigawa ones done that uh, should be up. Talking Hopefully. is hard, you know. Yeah, it can be hard on some days. Man, when I'm trying to record at like 2, 3 in the morning, like after I've already done a bunch, like yesterday, I think I did like four videos or whatever. Oh, yeah. You, just you get to the end of the day and like words just, they just don't work right. <laughs> like I know people say math is hard, but man, sometimes words just don't work. But all right, let's get into the meat and potatoes, if you will, this week. This week was actually fairly light as far as soapboxable things. But I did have one that came up. And I don't think people... And the reason I'm bringing it up because I don't think people realize this actually cost them opportunity and it cost them money. And I've had it happen multiple times when I was running a business, when I was trying to put together events. Seems like it always comes up multiple times throughout a year. But the most recent one... I decided, and I think I mentioned it on the show, I'm, I'm in the process of kind of, not necessarily rebranding because I'm keeping my logos and stuff, but, you know, freshening up my, my stream setups and some visuals I have on my YouTube videos and stuff. So I've been reaching out to a few artists, kind of see who's out there, maybe find some new people to work with that do well in that space. So I had a bunch of people reach out, and we're going to talk about this later in the show too, because I want to bring up something else related to it, but... I kind of narrowed it down to the final four or five people based on their work or whatever. So I, I told each of them, like, hey, I'll be reaching back out to you in a couple of days. I have a bunch of people I'm looking into. I'm looking at their portfolios. I'm also going to sketch up some ideas to kind of compare to people's past work who I think can do what I need to do. Because I'm asking for some very specific things, right? Not necessarily the norm on some stuff, so I want to make sure people can actually do it. One of the people I sent a message to at right around noon, noon 30 yesterday. By 9.45, 10 o'clock this morning, it was already like, hey, how's it going? Do you have any news for me? And I'm like, bruh, it hadn't even been 24 hours. I told you I was going back to, I told you I was looking at other people. Like, you got to give me a chance. So sadly, I immediately was like, if this is how this person is, I don't even want to work with them. Right? I appreciate being eager. I get it. You might be between jobs or need to have an opportunity where you're trying to make sure you secure the bag or whatever. I'm I'm down. But like at least give me a day. <laughs> like, like, dude. And I've seen and I've seen other professionals gripe about this too. Now, don't get me wrong, if it had been 48 hours, 72 hours, and you kind of just did a check-in, like, hey, I don't want to pressure you, just Checking in, seeing where we are, maybe even, because I've even done it. Like, hey, I want to make sure I didn't miss a message from you. Just checking in here, you know, whatever. Like, nobody really has a problem with that. But if you're up somebody's butt less than 24 hours later, and they're trying to give you a couple hundred dollars or more, dude, chill. I mean, this person possibly lost out on anywhere between three and $500 now. Because that's probably what the work is going to end up costing me. And, like, I just don't need something. Nah, like, get me, like, love to have somebody who's on the ball. Love to have somebody with good communication. Like, love all that. But, like, 
I explain the process and you still come at me like that, it's like, dude, I, I gotta have time. Like, plus, I was doing like five different things yesterday. There was a bunch of news, which we're going to cover in the show today, that I had to do videos about. So, you know, like, time went places yesterday. But yeah, just professional courtesy, give people at least a day to get back to you. Now, it's different if they say like, hey, I'll get you your first thing in the morning. Okay, first thing in the morning passes, you want to reach out at 10 or 11 o'clock and be like, hey, you mentioned it would be top of the morning. It's about lunchtime. Hadn't heard from you. Just checking in. Makes total sense. But if they tell you like, hey, there's a process, it's going to be a little bit, uh, be understanding. Because a lot of times you will lose the bid, you will lose the opportunity and not even know it. And that's the reason. And I, I have heard this from multiple people. I've seen it go down. I've seen it go down at different companies. I've had friends tell me about it. I've seen it in different projects I've worked on. Like, you'll just lose. So, yeah, just that's more, even more of a, than a soapbox, it's more of a PSA. Like, just professional courtesies. Understand what they are and, and be careful. All right. Brian, I know you ain't got a soapbox because you were busy nursing yourself last week. <laughs> yeah. So I, I ain't even going to put that pressure on you. We're just going to get into the fun stuff. And as always, we like to talk about things we learn every week so we can share it with y'all. So, Brian, what did you learn last week? All right. Uh, IDW has published Transformers and G.I. Joe comics for 17 years now, believe yeah, it or not. Yeah, it feels like forever. Yeah. But uh, they announced that uh, the part their partnership with Hasbro for both of those brands is coming to an end, which I guess isn't a huge shock. We know Hasbro is doing big things right now. There's apparently, you said they have 30 brands in development as some kind of TV show, movie, the combination of those things. But yeah, that's like especially that's basically the entire generation of kids that grew up reading, you know, IDW, Transformer, and yeah, and uh, GI Joe comic books. So they guess, are going to do some stuff where they kind of you know go out with the bang, do some things celebrating uh, GI Joe's. I want to say it's GI Joe's 40th anniversary, I believe. God, we're old. We're getting there, yeah. <laughs> you know, though, this doesn't surprise me when you consider Hasbro's grown a ton in you know 15, 20 years yeah. that this has been a contract. Additionally. They've been laying the groundwork for a few years, you know, with their AllSpark studios getting involved directly, making the Transformers movies. And, you know, so they're, they're definitely, Hasbro has definitely branched out into different things. And I would not be surprised if they're bringing a lot of that in-house and just doing their own publishing and stuff, too. That would be I, I imagine guess. that's where it's going. Which, on the one hand, it's like, hey, you have a good partnership, you're making money, whatever. But it's like, oh, well, if we just have the resources to do it directly and not have to pay the extra money to them, you might as well just do it yourself. So a little tough for IDW because, you know, they have a lot of branded comics and they've done a lot of those for years. They've kind of been the ones known for doing the licensed comic book stuff. So hopefully they find some other good contracts or their other stuff still going well, uh, despite the pandemic or whatever, because... What I've seen from them at shows and everything, they always seem like cool people. So I'm, I'm hoping that works out for them. And since they apparently are going to get to keep Dungeons and Dragons and My Little Pony, so hmm. that's, a, that's not nothing. No, those are big licenses. And it's very interesting, too, that it wasn't all of the Hasbro-owned titles. Hmm. 
So it must be something specific to those brands that I'm guessing has to do with like movies, storyline, continuity, whatever, that they're trying to keep a certain way, probably, mm. if I were guessing. But who knows? That is interesting news, though. I, I Not something I was aware of. And even, I know Hasbro's got a lot of stuff, but good God, 30 brands are in production? I'm trying to think of 30. I know they got a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, if you think about a lot of companies, and I don't and I don't think people really process this, but pretty much every company, every studio has tons of ideas churning at all times. Now, admittedly, maybe only a third of those ever even come to market yeah. for various reasons, but there's always things moving. You know, even at Wizards, there's tons of ideas for a bunch of things that will just never see the light of day. And I still feel like every week, even though, you know, talk about Hasbro all the time, I feel like it's, oh, wait, they own that too? Every week they're saying, oh. Yeah. Didn't know they sure. own that too. Well, now we're going to start having that conversation about Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's a Microsoft product. Oh, yeah, that game too? Yeah, they own that too. Yeah. yeah. It's all Microsoft, everything. It might be one day. Uh, what did I learn last week? Okay, so... I kind of, it's weird. I don't know if this is more of just a realization as much as like, I guess more I would learn how stunned people were that things are still the way they are uh, as far as differences and disparagements between different uh, social groups and races and whatever in the game industry. Because like we talked about it on the show last week pretty heavy. And I posted some stuff on social media and I reshared a, a different story on, on TikTok the other day about uh, five years ago, I was at Wizards and one of the biggest things as a retailer is always like, can we get more information? Can we get more hard numbers? Can we get a better understanding of the landscape from each company or game or whatever, right? Just so you kind of know how the work you're doing aligns with one, the greater pool of people, stores, sales, whatever, but also does it align with what the company's doing or the potential outlook or whatever, right? So while I was there at Wizards, one of the things, presentations I was putting together, I had discussions with people and said, hey, here's some interesting numbers. Can we just share these with retailers? So they know that there's this much growth in the market, that these are what these demographics look like. So they know what they can be targeting or whatever, right? And justified it and legal checked off on it. We did all this stuff. So I put together this presentation to share all these numbers and talk about the stuff and think how programs can help them solve these problems and whatever. Great presentation. If I could pat myself on the back, right? Did all the work. Seriously, I would say roughly 20% of the room at the end of the, like, some of them came up like, man, it's awesome. We got this. We never get this level of detail, blah, blah. All right, cool. Awesome. And then you still got the people like, oh, that was such a good presentation. You speak so well. Like, really? All these numbers, <laughs> all this research, <laughs> all the legal crap I had to go through. And that's what you, like, that's what your takeaway was. Not, oh, this is going to help me make this much money. Oh, hey, it's great to see that, like, you know, I didn't realize there were so few women or whatever playing or whatever, whatever, right? It was literally, you speak so well. I must have heard that at least 10 times coming out of that room. Thank you, sir. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, to react all that, to that. Uh, an hour-long presentation, or whatever it was, like 45-minute-long presentation or whatever, that a couple months, like about a month and a half worth of planning went into it, dug up all these numbers, like got you the thing that almost every retailer wanted, and like... 
that's what you have to tell me. I'm like, bruh. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, come on, man. Like, but it still happened. And that was just five years ago. You know, so. I don't doubt it. Because, listen, I've heard, you know, that. And I had, I've shared this here before. I had somebody in front of me once as a hard-working black man. Like, as opposed to. Exactly, right? Because my thing is, like, you would think. And now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that are bad presenters. Like, I've sat through some. Like, I get that. Some of them, they're decent speakers and their presentations are terrible. Like, that happens, too. They get, they just have the bad slideshow with just junk in it that doesn't mean nothing. You know, whatever. Like, we've all been there. So, I'm not saying that, you know, telling me I speak well isn't the worst compliment, but it's a little bit insulting when, like, I know how important this information is and how much I went through and whatever. And that's the one takeaway you have. That wizards managed to find a dude who could get up there and talk and like, you're so well-spoken. And I didn't want to be an ass, but part of it was like, well, compared to who? (laughs) Right? Like, but people's reaction, because I had some people even that follow me on on Twitter and stuff and on Facebook, like, send me, and actually I got one on on Instagram where people were just like, oh, dude, really? Like, that must have been a while ago. Or it was like, no, no, that was five years ago. Right, Like, so I have an experience from the very beginning, you know, 15 years ago or so, and I have one from five years ago. (laughs) So, yeah, things are still the way they are, man. Like, I don't don't know what to tell people. But, yeah, it's amazing to see how people, and, and maybe it's good we're having these conversations because people don't realize that that's a thing. Because, again, we've talked about it on the show, right? If it doesn't happen to us and it's not in our worldview, we don't know that it's a thing. You know, if something's happening to women that doesn't ever happen to me as a guy, then, like, I don't know it's a thing until a woman tells me it's a thing. So I totally get it. But, yeah, there's still disparity and problems and bias and, like, all this stuff still exists in the game industry. And and I... And I get it. It's easy to want to say, like, no, we're all looking for gamers to play with and whatever, and it's all fine and good. And, like, in theory, it should be. It's just not. You know, I don't know how else to explain it to people. It's just not. But, all right. That being all said and done, let's talk about the news from the week. So, let's start with the, uh, man, we'll call it the saddest news of the week. I guess if you're a Magic player. Star City Games made the announcement, I guess it was Tuesday afternoon, or maybe Tuesday morning, that that, uh, they posted about it. But they are going to be reducing their level of what we'll call professional pro-level content. And from the sounds of things, it's been a thing. I think he said over three years, it already been kind of trending downward and it was starting to cost them money. So I, I get it, right? It's not like this is just, well, we're not going to support pro play, blah, blah, whatever. We're cutting all this. Like this is something that's been kind of in the works, but there's been a lot, a lot of discussion around this on social media. And some people having their initial takes and then coming back and putting a more nuanced take. And there's some people just being emotional. And there's some people blaming it on wizards. And there's some people blaming it on COVID. And, they, you know, there's just, it's all over the place. 
but I don't know if there's any one factor here. And let me say, before we, we get any further into this discussion, I want to be 100% clear that we're not, no matter what we say in this discussion, we're not being flippant about them just not doing this anymore because it does affect a lot of people's jobs. There were a lot of writers, videographers, you know, whatever, that were doing stuff related to pro content for Star City. And that's a lot of people that are going to be at least professionally, temporarily displaced, right? They're going to have to find some other gig in the industry or whatever, because some of them made a reasonable amount of their income from producing videos, writing articles, whatever, for Star City. So for all those people, I do have real sympathy. And several of them I know personally. We've hung out at events. We've worked together on coverage. You know, we have similar social circles and communicated, you know, like so... There's a lot of good people that will not be writing for Star City or working for Star City come the end of February. Now, credit to Pete over there, giving everybody a full month still, you know, saying, hey, giving time to get their stuff in order. They could do farewell articles, you know, whatever. Giving them time to plan. It wasn't just like, hey, we made the decision and next week you don't get to work. Right. So credit to him. Right, and Star City as a whole, because that's that's a, the right decision. Give people some time, you know, whatever. But with all that being said, I just don't think like okay. First off, I don't think competitive play is gone. Right, we still have events happening. We still have the invitationals happening. We still have the mock championship. We still have all that stuff. Right, so Magic still has competitive play. I think specifically though. The pro-level play is gone, right? Like, you are not going to have a system catering towards you being a full-time professional player. Yeah, Wizards has said that. <laughs> They've said that themselves. Yeah, and I, but I think it doesn't even currently even make sense to be sustainable by other organizations even. I just don't think the supports and whatnot is there to justify it. Right, because if you're doing something where you're giving somebody some amount of money to sustain an income, like let's say the MPL was giving people seventy thousand plus or whatever it was, right? Like you have to make more than seventy thousand dollars plus whatever expenses, prize money, whatever you're also paying them from participating in stuff by that person existing. Now, whatever that person does to help you make that money, whether that's be a quality spokesperson, stream a bunch of stuff. I don't know, whatever, right? Help you sell jerseys or whatever it is you end up doing, right? But there has to be a reason, right? And I don't know if that exists on a big enough level for the m amount of money a lot of people think should be in the pool, unfortunately. And don't get me wrong, it's easy for people to look at Wizards and say, oh, well, they made a billion dollars in sales last year. They can afford to cut some money for whatever. Like, yes, they can. But like we talked about on the show, Nobody's just going to give money with no real expectation. That's just not a thing. Like, it sucks. It would be nice. It would be altruistic of them to do it. Absolutely. But they're just not going to do it. Like, we know that's not going to be a thing. Especially when somebody like Crokies goes out there and generates just as much publicity and which doesn't have to write him a check for anything. Yeah, and that, that becomes the other part of it, right? Where we're seeing events run by... Crokies, CGB, hell, ours with the Generate Gaming had 
700 viewers at one point last week, right? We have events by Jeff Hoogland. His events have drawn big numbers, right? And these are just individual people or groups just in the community doing stuff. And somewhere along the way, and I think this was before the shuttering of the NPL and all that, somewhere along the way, culture around gaming has become that it's following individual personalities more than pro players. Because I feel like I'm seeing that in other games as well. Like a lot of the people that draw numbers aren't necessarily the top rated players in those games. They're just the people known for those games that happen to also be a personality worth watching or, you know, generating a community to be part of or whatever, right? Or being involved with the right groups or whatever and getting people's attention. But those are all drawing numbers. So I kind of get it, you know, and we're seeing it across the board. We're seeing it with other video games and stuff, too. But I do think there's still a place for having the top decks featured, you know, for having your world champion talk about certain aspects of the game or whatever. I think there's still room for that, and I think that still has value. The problem is the most value to be extracted from those people in those situations is usually where we can run events. And COVID has put a real damper on that for we're going into year three of it. You know what I mean? Like, And that's the tough part because, and, and we dived in on, dove in on this in the, the private show for our patrons, but there are events, I, I can tell you there are convention circuits that I had actually started talking to to try to do some hosting stuff or whatever with the idea we would eventually be out of COVID. I have NDAs I've signed that I can't talk about for events that probably still aren't even going to happen. You know, like, this is kind of where we are right now. And I get it that part of it is people want Wizards just to say something else about events. But there's nothing else for them to say. They've already said they want to continue to do Grand Prix type events. Now, whether they hold to their word or not on the, you know, some of the prize money or whatever that went into the MPL be put into this future system. They still want to do world championships, you know, all that. But that's probably all they can tell us. They, you can't you can't give a timeline right now because none of us know if Omicron is going to be done in a month or in six months. And so even if they give us a timeline, if they are not able to follow it, you're going to just get more people griping and you have to go through that whole thing all over again. It's just like you're almost better off not saying anything at this point. But the other side of that is you don't hire somebody like Huey Jensen to be head of play programs or whatever it is if you don't have at least something, or even if you don't have a plan, at least have a want or a concept or whatever that you want somebody like that to head up the program, right? Because if it's just F&Ms and pre-releases and whatever, they would have got a retailer or they would have got somebody from the commander community or they would have, you know, somebody on a more casual level to deal with that. But you particularly went and hired somebody that has, hell, at this stage, I think Huey really does have 20 plus years of professional magic experience. You know, and he's seen every iteration of it. He's seen 
you know, stuff, how it's handled in different countries. He's been through the various point systems they've had, you know, all that. So that feels to me like they still have something they want to do. There's just not a hard, solid plan in place yet because as a company, they can't run events. Hell, there's a lot of places right now you can't host events. You can't even rent venues in some spaces. You can't get in or out of some countries. You know, like they would be hamstrung trying to run a worldwide event series right now anyway. Now, I do think when that comes back, we may see some things change. And Star City can slowly trend back that way. They obviously have the know-how and whatever. But until those events start happening, yeah, I think there's going to be some limitations on what you can do as far as that content goes. Yeah. And it sucks, you know, because they can't wait for somebody else to make the decision. They got to figure out how to make money. And one content generates money and sells cards and all of that. You're 100% right. I mean, they could have left stuff in place, but if you're already running it at what they're saying, I think, I want to say he said they were basically running it at a loss. Like, how long do you want to do that while you're waiting? Again, it's nice. It's altruistic how letting these people keep their jobs, which God bless them. I like, I love all those people, but I get why they're not doing it. So it's a it's a tough one, man. It really is. And I again, I don't think I mean, you know, people come back and say, "Ah, this is cuz Wizards dropped the MPL and this is because of this." And it's like, "No, this really isn't it. I I think this is just a bigger sign of the times more than anything else." Now, again, I do think there will still be competitive play. I think there will still be people wanting to watch coverage. I think there will still be value in analyzing event standings and all that i think that will still be a thing but i just think the concept of i make my money from playing in events is going to largely go away except in the cases of you know you win one big event and you take home a 50 or 60,000 or 100,000 dollar prize for winning it well yeah you made a year's salary right so for people who win events effectively i guess you're still a pro player but and are, are, are we still thinking there are going to be events where you can win $50,000 in, in one event? Yeah, I think so. Because, like, we're still doing, like, world championships and stuff like that. And, like, those giveaway stuff. I think the the Magic Online championships on, on well, on Magic Online, they actually, I think they have a $20,000 prize or something. So, like, there's still big payouts that are still going to be out there to be had. Just to and me, when they said in- nobody would be able to do it, I'm thinking, like, if I win $50,000, that also depends on what part of the country you live in, but if I win $50,000, I'm good for the rest of the year. Oh, I, I live in the Pacific Northwest. Like, it's some pricing in some spots, but 50000 still goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, you make 50000 and then you supplement that with some, like, small side hustle, or you are writing some articles, or you're doing some streaming, you'll make a good salary that year and be fine. You know, so... Totally doable, but I think the numbers of people, because I think people forget, like when we were at the peak of Pro Magic, you did have people who were going to Ever Grand Prix getting an appearance check, you know, between, I think the low end was like $100, I think the upper end was maybe like $300 or $400 or whatever, if you were in like platinum level or whatever it was. So like, you were just showing up to events and getting paid. And if they were stateside... That's a lot of event, or within your country, right? Those are a lot of events you could get to pretty cheaply, and then you're getting paid to play that tournament effectively. So that was one thing, you know, 
You had deeper prizes. You just had more events where people could get paid at. Again, if people were getting paid pretty well to write articles because those were generating sales, you know, so you were able to do that. I don't know how many people will do that in the future. And I, and then same thing though, I want to admit, I've seen this for other video games, right? That was kind of a thing like, oh, I'm going to be a professional league player. I'm going to be a professional Halo player, you know, whatever. And it seems like that pool's dwindling down too, as some of the money has changed where it's going and. Some of these esports teams have cut a few people loose, uh, you know, and and even the ones I see, it's kind of the same bodies. And, and a lot of them are finding out it's just for the for the amount of time you would have to dedicate to let's say playing professional Overwatch, you could just stream. Really? Yeah, that's the that's the other reality. You know, for some people, it's like, well, if I'm going to put in forty hours, fifty hours a week anyway, like. If I was just getting paid even just this minimum amount for 50 hours, I could almost make the same amount of money. But you have your freedom and you don't yeah. have the stress. Plus, there's <laughs> no limit on, you know, when you can stream because apparently as an Overwatch League player, there's a contract where there's certain, I'm sure, of course, if, if there's any kind of league event going on and they want you to get to conflict with that and they're playing Overwatch on, you know, on probably every continent, so... Yeah, that's a problem, too. When are you not conflicting with somebody? So, yeah, it's tough. I I think at some point, some of the people that will be making the most from Magic, or from any games, I should just say from games, are going to ultimately be the people that are personalities. The people that know how to build communities. You know, the people that get involved with a lot of stuff. Like, that's going to be more of the pro route than just, I'm a good player at this game. Now, not to say, again, if you're a consistent top finisher, you will find a way to make enough money, right? Like, if you make three, four, five top eights throughout the year, well, that's going to be a big chunk of change you're putting away. So some number of people will be, but it's going to be a much smaller number. And I think, like, with all, like the reality is, and I think I've said this before, and people have really wanted to, you know, bash me for it, but the average player of any of these games never really has the chance at being a full-time paid professional. But all we're selling them though, is the idea that they can. And that's more powerful than the reality. Cause I tell people that perception is greater than reality on so many things. And all you have to do is convince somebody that, yeah, but you could. Because I know even when I was doing stuff, whether it was playing poker or playing Magic or Versus or any of these games, I knew I could do well at them. But I also knew what my ceiling was because I was only going to be able to dedicate a certain amount of time or hours to researching or, you know, workshopping stuff with people or whatever. So I didn't really have that over me. But I remember watching players that would go to so many different tournaments and events and this and that and the other and might have top aided once, you know, maybe twice, not realizing they're spending so much money just trying that even if they do make it one time, like you have to like, there are people who actually qualified, went to the event and ended up losing money. Like that's the thing that genuinely is happening for people and they were happy to spend it. Because they had a shot. 
Like that's what you're selling people is the idea. And I think that's why when the events come back, there will still be interest and there will still be support and whatever, because the idea that I can, and it's that way with so many games, right? I, I, I may have mentioned this on the show before, but like, I remember when League of Legends announced that we're going to do a million dollar tournament and we're going to have whatever it was, 16 teams and all this. Like people were getting excited. But I sat there and immediately was like doing the math. And I'm like, well, even if you do 16 teams with five people in an alternate, that's not even 100 bodies. Out of the literal, like at the time, like a million people that are playing League, right? Like, so what makes you think that you and your three or four buddies are going to be good enough? But it didn't matter, right? People saw a million dollars and they're like, oh, well, if I just rank up, I can get a shot. And people were into it, even though the reality is more than 99% of those people had no real shot. Like they legitimately had no shot, <laughs> but didn't matter. It was the dream and the idea, right? And I think that's all this is about. I think once things shake out, we really have to get past COVID and, and see where, where things leave us. But yeah, sad news. It's, it's a kind of a turning of the page, changing of the guard, you know, however you want to look at it for just content and uh, pro-level play, unfortunately. But there was some other, I guess, if you want to call it good news. We finally banned some cards in Standard. <laughs> so, Auron's Epiphany, the big bad in the room, finally gone. Everybody was waiting on that, no surprise. But then Wizards kind of threw us a little bit of a curveball. They put Divide by Zero on the list. Which I don't think anybody hated being on there. Which is more of a card everybody thought about. And I'm like, huh, didn't think they'd do that. So that was pretty cool. But then there was a third card in Standard. And it was Faceless Haven. And that was the one everybody went, you kind of heard the record scratch as you read it, you know. But I get it. I think what Wizards was trying to do is saying, okay, if we get rid of these other two cards... Now we make mono white for sure, possibly mono green, the better decks. They're going to be playing Snowlands. They're going to be using Faceless Haven. Let's at least take away one of their tools, and hopefully some of the more creative mid-rangey whatever decks can start being seen more regularly. So we'll see. I don't know. Were you excited about these changes? Does it encourage you to... I run Faceless Haven, so no, I was not happy about that one. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think a lot of people felt like you about Faces Haven. This may be the first time in this may be the first time in the history of our podcast they actually banned the card that I use in my janky decks. Well, maybe that says something about the card, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's it's gone that far that even even the the janky decks are like, yeah, I should probably be playing Snowlands for this. You know, so yeah, so that happened. Uh, they did finally ban Raghavan, uh, the monkey, in Legacy. Which, also, I think people saw coming, so not a huge shocker there. And they moved, I believe it was uh, Mana Leak, I think, from... No, that's the wrong card. I'm going to say that. I'm going to get that wrong. Memory Lapse. It was still a pseudo-counter. I knew it was the wrong one. Uh, memory lapse from the suspended list, which I don't know why that exists, to the banned list, so it's officially banned in Historic. 
and then they rebalanced to fairy and then made that available to be played with in historic. So it was a pretty, I don't know if you would call it eventful day yesterday uh, with that announcement coming out and mixed feelings, different ways, but way more positive than negative. So a uh, good one on that. But then we got the long-awaited alchemy update, which was 18 cards. Now, most people were expecting it was going to be something somewhere between probably like five and eight cards. But they went out of their way to also buff cards that hadn't previously been touched for alchemy that were standard legal. And a lot of those cards were actually cards for the dungeon deck or the delve mechanic, if you want to call it that. I guess uh, venture, I guess, because delve is a different thing, but venture into the dungeon. And that was kind of interesting. It was surprising because I didn't expect that to be a thing. The good news is a lot of people who play these decks already have these cards. They just now got better, which is pretty cool. So I don't know how that's going to affect stuff on the ladder. But I'm at least going to build it and give it a shot. Since I'm sure people are going to want to see it with all the recent changes. But it's pretty cool. They basically made a bunch of stuff cost less. So it's more efficient. And then cards like Dungeon Descent, which I railed on a while back for being the most absurdly restricted card in magic because at one point it had to like come into play tapped you can only use it as a sorcery you have to tap a legend it costs four to tap like it has all these drawbacks for no good reason Do the hokey the pokey turn yourself about yeah. the card's not that good even in re and i think they realize that so now it doesn't come into play tapped and instead of costing four to activate it costs one and that makes it way more reasonable to play with so uh even that card gets a boost here which is pretty sweet so yeah, that was kind of the surprise of their announcement, though. Just, hey, we basically made another archetype viable for the format. So we'll see if that pans out or not. Otherwise, a lot of the other cards that got uh, buffed or nerfed were really kind of small. Some of them, they kind of buffed up the toughness on a couple cards. Uh, they changed Divide by Zero, which is a big deal. So if you do play it in Alchemy, it now only lets you learn if you target something that costs four or less which is pretty sweet. So you don't get the crazy value for bouncing somebody's like dragons or whatever else, you know, their planeswalkers and whatnot. So that's actually pretty cool. Balances the card a little bit. Uh, they made a change to Fearsome Whelp, which is big in the format. So that's not a surprise. Holebreaker Horror can now be countered. So that changed. So yeah, there's kind of some obvious cards that people thought needed to be touched. They touched. So that was good. Uh, at least said they were paying attention to the format. The only gripe, the, the really, the biggest gripe I have is why did we have to wait for this? Like, none of these things are any different with the information we had last week than what we had a month ago. So we could have just done this. So that that's the one thing. The other is, I'm still on the boat that if you're going to be adjusting cards, just give people wild cards for them. Like, it makes everybody feel a lot better. And you'll have fewer complaints, and it's just a good PR move. And it gives people more faith in the products to be able to buy it and spend their wild cards and everything else. So, yeah. I, I sent an impassioned uh, message to somebody at Wizards just the other day to kind of reinforce that. I doubt anything comes of it, but I at least did my part. So, Had to take know that I'm out here. I'm pulling for you, people. I'm pulling for you. I'm on your side, I promise. I have some weird stances and perspective, but I am on the, the, the player side more often than not. But yeah, there's, with that aside, there is one more thing I want to talk about before we get 
into the dinner table. And kind of a callback to my soapbox this week. When I was reaching out to people, I was reminded of a thing that I don't think a lot of people are aware of, but bots and scammers are way more sophisticated now on social media than they used to be. Now, everybody who's old school, you're used to getting the emails of like, you missed this opportunity, blah, 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 right? Like, you should click on this link if you want to get whatever. Or, you know, you'll see a post where you're tagged in a thing and like, oh, you need to respond to this in the next 24 hours or something's going to happen to your account or whatever, you know, that type of stuff. I am a Nigerian prince, all those good things. Yeah, I keep hoping I'm a Nigerian prince at some point because I think that'd be like an awesome joke to have. But it, at this point, if I was going to be a prince or be knighted or something, it would have happened already. So that dream's out the window. But it's they're so sophisticated now that you could be on a thread, see a cool piece of art or something, or a meme, or whatever, and say, ah, we should have that on a t-shirt and whatever. And you will see a post pop up with the mock-up of that on a t-shirt within a few posts. Like, that's the level of what some of these things are out here doing. The other is that and I won't say they're necessarily true scammers. We'll say they're more uh, grifters, maybe. But I put specifically on my post, anytime I'm reaching out for, for work or opportunities to collaborate with people on things, I put specific things in my post. And I even say, like, if you don't come recommended, you need to at least show that you're aware of my content and or have a significant backlog of information or portfolio for me to view. Because what happens, as an example, I put out, hey, I'm looking at redoing some stuff on my content. I need, and I think I put like overlays, emotes, blah, 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 right? And then I put my normal disclaimer. You get tons of people that post like, hey, I'd be interested to work with you. Hit up my DMs or whatever, right? Generic stuff like that. Or people that send you a DM and like, oh, I'm a website graphic designer i would love to work with you here's my past work and it's kind of some generic looking stuff you know there's a lot of that out there and it's literally triggered by keywords like people are using different programs and whatever so you get a lot of like ne'er-do-wells i don't know how to describe them there's there's just folks you're not necessarily going to want to work with so you need to do significant research and whatever an example you know kind of like talked about to open the show one of the reasons I'm taking so long is like when people are linking me to their work, I'm also comparing this stuff because some of them aren't really doing unique work. A lot of them are just using various templates and then adding some effects or changing some colors or whatever and then delivering you a package. So they didn't even really give you custom work and they're still going to charge you a couple hundred dollars for it. Like, I don't want to work with those people. Like the reason I'm doing this and I'm paying more and taking the time and, you know, whatever, is because I want something completely custom, right? So, but if you don't know, you're going to be like, oh, I got this sweet thing or whatever. And then who knows, you know, six months, nine months out of the road, you're like, oh, that looks similar to mine, just a different colorway. Uh, and then you feel really crappy. You paid like two, $300 for it. So you got to do your research, man. There's a lot of this stuff out there that I don't think people are aware of. I mean, I know when I was telling you about this, you were shocked that this was a thing. Yeah, I mean, just the level of, like, the level of technology and just, like, the combination of technology and uh, lack of morality. Perfect storm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty much it, too, the lack of morality. And don't get me wrong. I get it. When you're trying to hustle and get your piece of the action or whatever, you're just trying to get whatever jobs you can get, make some quick money. But there are programs out there that can help you generate graphics, to help you generate overlays or whatever by just putting in people's colors, logos, whatever. Boom, boom, boom. And you can license that software out. So if you don't know that stuff exists, and you're new, you're like, oh, sweet, I got this new intro or whatever, you're going to feel real bad somewhere along the line when somebody else has a similar intro. Unless you know that's a thing going into it, whatever, it's fine, right? But if you don't know, and then you paid somebody $100 for that, and then you find out that came from just a pool of a 1,000 things that they pay something like $20 a month for or something, and they probably spent all of 10 minutes processing that and downloading it for you and then selling it to you. You know, like that stuff that's out there. So really research who you're working with, you know, their past work, compare it to other things. If you're getting something custom, get exactly custom. Like I'm literally even sketching out what I want my stuff to look like. And I'm going to scan those pictures and send them to the person I end up working with. I'm just being like, can you do this exactly? Or close enough to it. Maybe not exactly. But like, I want a certain look, a certain thing. I, this is what I'm paying for. Right. I'm not. And plus, like, there's so much stuff you can tell anyway, because a lot of it looks like generic esports stuff. You know, what I mean, it's got like the overly cartoonized logo. It's got like the big block letters. It's got like you you kind of know if you look at them. So like, don't just choose the, the best price either. Like get exactly what you want. Now, the sad part is. If you're an actual newcomer to the space, it sucks because you get what I call caught up in the wash, right? Like there's going to be people like you don't have the extensive portfolio yet, right? So you have to basically create stuff just to say, here's what I can do to show that it's different, unique, whatever to put in front of people or else it's going to be hard because every time somebody posts something like that and say on Twitter, they're going to get 30 responses from these grifters these bots these whatever and you're going to get overlooked or probably look like one of them even though you're not so all these things existing create a rough spot for people trying to make it so the best thing you can do is get a piece of work or two done at an affordable price build yourself up even if you just have to do some designs or whatever of your own to just show what you can do that's cool and different and then get that first job or two and then get those recommendations that's the best thing because I'll admit, I have a couple of people I'm considering right now just because they came with recommendations. You know, people immediately tagged them as like, hey, I worked with this person on my stuff. Check them out. You know, whatever. Cool. So when they reach out to me, I already had two or three people that vouch for them. That already goes a long way. Now, I'm not saying I'm 100% going to work with that person. But that gives them a huge leg up over a bunch of the other people that had reached out. So, yeah, it's a heck of a process. Like, it does take time. But I think the end result would be worth it. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to warn people about that. As you kind of step into these spaces and you're looking at doing some stuff, really research the style, the work, whatever of each person, because you may not really be getting what you're paying for. But all right, that brings us to the dinner table. And we've kind of touched on this subject a couple of times in the past but I kind of wanted to have the bigger discussion on gatekeeping in our hobbies 
because I feel like I still see it online and whatever where people don't really, I think, I think when we say gatekeeping, people think about the big categories, right? Like men making it harder on women to game with us or whites making it a harder space for blacks to get into or whatever, right? We think about that, but we don't think about like how accessible for handicapped folks is the space that you're holding your venue in, right? Or, you know, like what happened to me a couple weeks ago where people are just insulting me because I have a gray beard. You know, like stuff that should not really come into play does in our game spaces a lot. And there's really no reason for it to. Like, I, and I know you, you hold kind of my mentality, Brian, but like, how often have you seen a person that wanted to be in one of your games or sit down at the table with you, and you just went like, I don't know, man, this person's kind of old. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not ever been a thing. It's... Yeah, like, but there's people that do. Yeah, it's it's bizarre. Like, and I I remember even in my store, I had people that would be like, well, I don't know, that guy's a bit older. And I'm like, well, yeah, but uh, like, what does that have? I mean, to do we're with we're not running wind sprints. What's the problem? Yeah, I'm like playing Warhammer. Like I don't like hell. And one of the, and the one I'm thinking of off the top of my head, the dude's even like a war vet. So I'm like, if anything, you should at least give him a little respect. If right. Wants to play some minis, damn. <laughs> probably knows more about war than you do. That's true. He probably knows more about tactics for sure. But that was the thing that like you see that in a lot of places. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some times, and it does go the other way, too. There have been some times somebody's been too young, and I've been like, uh, don't know. Right? Because that does matter, too, right? If we're yeah. going to be doing a thing, then afterwards, maybe we're going to go to a place where they sell alcohol. Right. Might be a problem. Right? So we need to figure out, like, okay, is it worth it to go to a different place so we can include some of these other people that might be 19 or 20 or whatever? Right? Like, that has to be figured in. So there's a, there's a lot of ways I think that gatekeeping can present itself. Hell, we've seen most recently where there have been people that are like me, they're super casual commander players that for whatever reason are just like, ah, competitive commander stupid and those people shouldn't be in the format. And both. it's like, what, what, what if they're just playing competitive commander with other people that want to play competitive? Mm. Like, that's fine. You don't have to play magic with them. Let they can still people... be part of our community. He's really going to let people enjoy things. Agreed. Just let people enjoy the things they want to enjoy, the way they want to enjoy them. My biggest thing is, as long as what they're doing does not directly infringe on the way I like to game, it's okay for us to have different pools of gamers. Right? Like that's And that, to me, is different because we're not even pushing people out at that point because of a trait or factor they can't control. That's just a decision on how they choose to play the game. And we're still like, rah, rah, rah. It's like, no, it doesn't have to be a thing. Like, every our goal should be to be as open and accepting and friendly as we can be to the maximum number of people, unless those people are doing something that directly harms our communities. Because otherwise, like, what are we even doing? Right? We should be wanting... Like, I've always told people the, the best thing for me 
Because there's a thing up here in the Northwest that they call the Seattle Freeze, right? Where people from outside the area largely seem like it's, there's a thing that it's hard for people to socialize, make friends, whatever. I think a lot of it has more to do with people living a certain way, then you move, and then you can't find the people that do the exact same thing you do or whatever. So you, the way you've gotten used to socializing isn't a thing, and you've got to learn some new way or whatever now. But for me, no matter where I've moved, or no matter what I've done, if I've just been out for a trip for a week or whatever, I've always been able to socialize people because of games. You know, if you had a D&D book, some magic cards, or a Warhammer army or whatever just in your backpack, you can just roll into any gaming event, convention, whatever, game store, and you can find people that are playing. Right. I mean, I've literally sat in an airport, played a game of Magic with somebody that we didn't even speak the same language, but we knew what the card arts did. <laughs> so, like, there's no reason to say that somebody should or shouldn't be part of your community or can't participate in your game or activity or event because of some uncontrollable factor of theirs. Now, if it's something, I don't know, they, they have a bad attitude, maybe they smell bad, like, I don't know, some other factor that, that is controllable, then cool, we can have that discussion and we can explain to them why it's a thing or whatever. But when you're talking about somebody's gender or race or age or physical disability or whatever, those should never be a restriction to somebody getting to participate in your games and hobbies. They just shouldn't. Unless they're, you know, like we're saying, maybe age if something in the subject matter is inappropriate or something and they're too young, then like, sure, that makes total sense. But yeah, for most stuff, it just shouldn't be a thing. And it's crazy to see that online. You know, like, and some people can't even be consistent with their things. Like, oh, well, this should be done this way. And then some people are like, we should do this. And they're like, no, but not like that. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> right? like, like come on you got it got to be consistent just be welcoming and friendly we got to across the board in every game i mean hell you you've shared clips from how crazy people can be in first person shooters and the dialogue that goes on in those right days that i'm still amazed that i guess i'm not amazed i'm just it's so, still i mean i've heard it a thousand times every time i hear it just like i watch why, so just, why are you like this? Just... Oh, dude, I've seen some where people run around talking about, like, well, my ancestors would own you, and blah, blah. Or, well, I don't know why they let brown people play this game. or what. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, what is even happening? So it's like, what are we doing? Like, what are those comments even meant to achieve? Hell, half the time, they're saying that crap when they're on the same team, even. Right? That that's even more mind blowing. I get it if you're at least somewhat get it if you're just being an idiot and you're trying to insult somebody on the other team or whatever. But so you're tilting your own team. They're like, oh, it's their fault we didn't win. No. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, come on, people, we got to be better. But yeah, so a factor somebody can't control should not be part of the barrier to them getting to participate in a game or a hobby or an event. That just seems silly. It really does. And if that's something you believe or it's a behavior that you have, you really should stop and ask yourself why and really analyze that. And we'd probably all be better because of it.
All right, Brian, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media? All right, I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, uh, YouTube, and our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And I just want to say, take care of yourselves out there. Like, stuff's crazy Please. right now. <laughs> yeah, we've dealt with it firsthand now as part of our crew, so... Just really protect you and your family, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to stay safe out there, and remember to be awesome, and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate, other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 